0: The Case of the Vanished Resident Chapter 46 Outside the windows of the Fairmount Manor dining room, a laurel hedge cast short noontime shadows that peppered the perimeter of the care home's ragged lawn. Inside, Stella used her investigative antenna to identify the united but unequal aromas of white bread and margarine. She tried to feel hungry, but could not manage it. After last night's moonlit, blossom-filled stroll with Theo Longbourn, she had passed the morning in Corridor Park, listening to the Greek chorus gossip. All the while, she had been trusting to her developing friendship with Theo, trusting that he would show up and walk with Stella down to lunch. The third member of the Greek chorus, Sally, the nodder, had been hoping the same for herself, Stella well knew. But there had been no sign of the man at all, and Stella had walked to lunch on her own. Sucking her lip, Stella plucked herself down at the table beside Thelma and across from the Greek chorus who had somehow beat her to lunch. Poor dear, you're late, Eilenth said. Did you lose your way in the corridors on your own again, Stella? Lucille said, I will bet she was sulking. It's her turn today for Theo to take her to lunch, and he stood her up. I'm sure Theo was only... Stella didn't finish her sentence, partly because Theo had indeed stood her up, and partly because Sally, the nodder, who monopolized him the rest of the week, was giving Stella a look so poisonous that the words shriveled up inside her mouth. There was a grilled cheese sandwich in front of her, cut diagonally. She ate half of it, without thinking about it, and drank her cup of soup in two long draughts. Stella turned to Thelma, who was waving away her grilled cheese sandwich. The care worker who had brought it over, a nameless dear, set it down smack in the middle of Thelma's plate. Mrs. Who, you must eat. Thelma said, it's Miss Who. She swept the plate off the table and it fell with a clatter onto the floor. The nameless deer rolled her eyes and took the sandwich away with her. "'Thelma, I can't find Theo,' Stella said. "'Have you seen him?' "'Thelma snapped. "'I haven't been looking, have I?' "'Stella acknowledged. "'I'm sorry, Thelma. "'You always seem so aware of everything that goes on "'that I do forget that you're blind.' "'I'm not blind,' Thelma said, tapping her cane on the floor before her. Stella sighed. "'I forget that, too.' "'Was that Theo over by the window?' "'No, it was a tall woman from Rose Corridor, the one who wore men's sweaters.' "'You don't understand!' Thelma shook her head furiously. "'I have molecular degeneration.' I can see around the edges, but not in the middle. Go ahead. Say that's good. I can see something. Still peering around for Theo, Stella had been about to say just that when she heard the bitterness in Thelma's voice. With care, she answered, I think it would be very difficult to be trying to find your peripheral vision all the time, like chasing a rainbow and... "'always having it move somewhere before you can reach it. "'Do you get used to it at all?' "'No,' Thelma said. "'I'm sorry,' Stella said, and Thelma shrugged. "'There was a moment's silence "'during which Stella made certain she had made no mistake. "'Theo was not in the dining room. "'She was disappointed, but not yet truly worried.' which did not explain her lack of appetite. Distractedly, she peeled apart the corner of the second half of her grilled cheese sandwich. She said, Thelma, what if we look at cheese from quite another angle? Thelma said, nothing you can say will make me like cheese. Stella was not even certain that the orange business going on between the two slices of bread actually was cheese. A cheese-like substance, she judged it. Still, derogatory remarks about care home food would not help Thelma with her bony wrists and hollow cheeks. It would not help her eat more than the half cup of soup-colored liquid that made up the rest of lunch. What? If, Stella trod carefully, what would happen if you viewed cheese as, shall we say, the enemy? (laughs) Whose enemy? Yours, Stella said. Yours and mine, if you like. We take the sandwich, we attack the cheese, and we bite it. So, (laughs) she snapped at the corner of her grilled cheese, It was a darn good thing she still had her own teeth. All thanks to her dentist, Dr. Vonder, the long-dead flossing pioneer who'd read her the riot act about gum disease 30 years ago. Once we have the sandwich within our power, then we chew the cheese, Thelma. We chew it cruelly hard. She masticated the rest of her grilled cheese and swallowed it down. With our Sharp, destructive teeth. Thelma frowned. She touched the table in front of her, knocking over her soup bowl, so that the dregs ran out across the polyester tablecloth. Stella looked more closely at the cloth and then at the spoon she had been given. It was the cheap sort, with plastic handles. She was certain that in February, when she had arrived at Fairmont Manor, The dining room had been used to setting our meals with hotel-quality stainless. All gone now, along with the old wooden tables, so that we're left with metal tables as wobbly as new foals. It's a stupid idea, Thelma said, torturing cheese, but I might as well try it. Destroying cheese, Stella corrected her, smiting it with our mighty chompers. Where's my sandwich? You sent it back, Stella got to her feet. I'll go and get another one. As the dining room emptied out, she made her way among the tables toward the kitchen. I like grilled cheese sandwiches, she heard a woman say. Stella didn't know her name but she had an idea that the woman came from hydrangea quarter, like Theo. She stopped beside her chair. Have you seen Theo? she asked. But the woman was straining to hear her neighbor's reply. Not enough food value in white bread to nourish a goldfish, the other woman said. Stella moved on past the serving counter. The kitchen door stood ajar. Stella would have knocked, but she rather hoped to find a plate of leftover grilled cheese sandwiches within her reach just inside. She didn't plan on asking for one. She planned to grab one and take it back to Thelma, while her suggestibility iron, so to speak, was still hot. Stella slipped inside the kitchen. The counters on left and right of the door were empty of sandwiches. On the far side of the room, beneath green-shaded windows, the two cooks were sitting at their own table. A sandwich and a bowl of soup were sat in front of them. Stella was pleased to find out the answer to a question that she had been asking herself for some time. Did the cooks themselves eat their own terrible food? They did. Suddenly, emboldened, she took a step inside. She decided to let them know what she thought of their menu planning and how tasteless and difficult to eat the results so often were. But before she could make herself known, the older of the two cooks spoke. You have to stop this, she said. Stop this now. When Stella heard the ferocity of the old, older cook's voice, she froze. She held out a hand to the counter at her side for support but the cook was not speaking to Stella, nor did she apparently notice her entrance since both the cook's backs were turned to the door. I can't stop, the younger cook said thickly as uh, as if through tears. We have to give them something and I won't give them outdated food. I can't. If even one person got sick, The older cook interrupted her. Annie, you can't feed 200 people out of your own pocket on what we make, she said flatly. I know, the younger said. The older cook shook her head and swore. She reached into the pocket of her jeans and pulled out several bills. She held them out. Here you go, Annie. Take these to help buy tomorrow's meal, because... "'You're right about expiry dates,' she sighed. "'You're right.' "'Stella, unable to take in the full impact of what she had just learned, "'turned to go before she could be seen. "'However, the younger cook, Annie, turned just then. "'She stood and called out to her, "'Are you looking for somebody, ma'am?' "'No,' Stella fumbled for words. She was trying to assimilate this unexpected information. The cooks were paying for Fairmount Manor's meals out of their own pockets? How could this be? I was hoping for an extra sandwich to take to Miss Hugh, as she missed out on hers. But the counters were empty. There were no more sandwiches. Stella bit her lip. I'm sorry. I'll leave you in peace but Annie picked up her plate with her own untouched sandwich on it and approached Stella. She said, I'll take it out to her, Mrs. Ryman. The two halves of the grilled cheese swam on the plate in front of Stella. She said, I'll take it, and just half will do. Thank you very much, Miss Annie. The young woman shrugged. Just Annie. You're welcome. The triangle of sandwich in hand stella turned again to leave then she stopped and faced the cooks again they turned in their seats the older one holding a spoonful of the thin yellow soup over her bowl stella said that was such a tasty lunch we all appreciated it very much so good she ran out of believable adjectives however Uh, The lunch was good, she told herself. Now that she knew how hard the cooks were trying, she could say that it was a morally impeccable lunch. She carried the sandwich out to Thelma, but their table, like the rest of the dining room, was empty. She proceeded with it to Corridor Park, where the chairs, usually occupied by the Greek chorus, remained empty. Thelma sat in her usual spot with her hands resting atop her cane. Stella sat beside her and held out the sandwich. "'Take it,' she said. "'Pretend it's something or somebody you don't like. Bite it, chew it, swallow it down. "'You're always repeating yourself. Enough is enough.' But Thelma took the sandwich in one thin hand and she paused. "'What's wrong, Stella?' The cooks paid for our food out of their own pockets, Stella said. Thelma held the sandwich up to her nose and sniffed. They were robbed, she said. That's beside the point. Even sitting down, Stella's knees felt wobbly. Do you know what this means, Thelma? It means I can't pretend that this sandwich is the cook, Thelma said, when I bite it and chew it to destruction. It means that Fairmount Manor is going broke, Stella said. It means they must be running out of funding. Which means all of us will be out on the street, Thelma glared at her sandwich. She snapped a bite of it and chewed it until it was dead. Chapter 47 Stella didn't often think back to why She had named this area of fairmount manor corridor park in the first place or why she always sat in the chair next to thelma certainly she did not seek out thelma's outstandingly grumpy company no the reason she liked to sit here was the skylight directly above stella's chair the skylight let in a natural light and In the manner of the jailed Oscar Wilde, she could look up and see that little tent of blue, which Stella called the sky. Only today the bit of sky was grey and oily raindrops slithered along the glass. If Fairmont Manor went broke and she had to leave, would another care home have a skylight like this one? Stella supposed that anything was possible. Still, at her age, there was a clear trend of things getting worse and not better, so staying optimistic seemed pretty much a matter of enjoying what you had until you lost it. Suiting action to philosophy, she folded her hands in her lap and looked up through the skylight over her head. More to herself than Thelma, Stella said, It's bad enough that he's missing. Now it's raining. What if he's outside somewhere? He's not made of sugar, Thelma said. He won't melt, whoever he is. Who are we talking about, Stella? Theo. I can't find him. He's lost. Thelma snorted. Are you crazy? You know Theo. He's somewhere around here, wandering the hallways like a skinny ghost in a cashmere cardigan. Stella shook her head. I've been looking out for him all morning. Some people just like to make trouble out of old rope, Thelma grumbled. Stella looked up. I wish it wasn't raining. Thelma stirred at her side. It has to rain, she said. It's April. There's still a world outside of Fairmont Manor, you know, and it's like... It always was this time of year, just like we remembered it. The whole sky stuffed to popping with rain out there. Out there. Isn't it the world in here, too? she asked. Thelma didn't answer, and Stella thought distractedly of other places beside Fairmont Manor where you felt cut off from the rest of the world. Cinemas. Chain hotels of more than eight stories. Big box furniture stores. Stop worrying about Theo. He's not lost, Thelma said. Are no more than usual. No more than you or me. He's gone outside, Stella said. I know he has. He's not allowed outside, Thelma said. No more than you or me. He goes out anyway, Stella told her. He knows the keypad number. He figured it out. Thelma wrapped her cane on the floor. I could have figured it out. But what then? Stella sat very still, listening to the rain on the skylight above her and conjugating as hard as she ever had in her life. She felt an urge to tell Thelma everything, all about her worries, but... That would involve talking about the night walk she had taken at Theo's side and although she would not need to mention anything about holding Theo's hand she might so easily lose her place in the story and reveal it to Thelma inadvertently. Make no mistake about it the hand holding had to stay private between Stella and Theo full stop. But her reluctance to share her worry went even deeper than that. If she told Thelma about the walk the night before, she would be raising their acquaintance to a level of trust from which she would not easily be able to return, not without a withdrawal so thorough and unkind that it would have to be done with swift cruelty, like tearing a bandage away from a recent wound. If she would have to withdraw from Thelma, it would be far better never to confide in the woman at all. But who else was there? Her eye caught a sudden movement at the corner of Corridor Park. Her eye caught a sudden movement at the corner of Corridor Park, where it turned down towards the dining-room for an instant. she glimpsed Mad Cassandra Browning, just her head and two hands at the corner like an oblique Kilroy. Then she was gone. Stella considered friendship with Cassandra Browning difficult because she was cheerful but crazy. She considered it with the Greek chorus. Impossible because they were so negative. And yeah, Mrs. MacAndrew, the dragon with her hot temper, was even worse. She did not consider the staff Not the amiable Ollie, not Cheryl and her Gioconda smile, not even Eliza with her heart full of love. Staff were staff, paid paid to be here. You couldn't pay somebody to be your friend. She sighed. The pickings were worse than thin, and so after all, she turned to Thelma. It's my fault Theo's out there. Thelma frowned at Stella, over top her cheese sandwich. Did you tell Theo the key code to get out? No, he told me. Well, then it's not your fault. Anyway, he'll turn up, Thelma said. Her tone turned bitter. Why can't we ever have tuna fish? I'm beginning to think he won't turn up. Stella was having trouble hearing Thelma, or perhaps just understanding her. She took a breath and let it out again. Theo and I went outside last night. Outside? Thelma sat up in her chair, both hands on the top of her cane. Yes, for a night walk, she paused again. It was lovely. It was so warm outside and a deep, dark blue. The flowers were like little lanterns. As she spoke, Stella felt a weight rise off her chest. It was not the weight of worry nor the weight of guilt. Both still sat heavily on her. But something else, something that had crushed her for many months, suddenly lifted and was gone. She looked straight at Thelma, and she added, And a little dog ran up just as if he knew us. Ah, Thelma... Uh, pouched out her lower lip and ripped the half-sandwich into quarters. But the thing is, Stella hesitated, but found she had mysteriously lost all reluctance to tell the worst. The thing of it is that when we were coming back inside, I told him I wished we'd picked a couple of blossoming branches to bring back to our rooms to remember. She stopped and waited for Thelma to say that she understood. But Thelma was shredding the sandwich and dropping the crumbs under her chair. "'Don't you see?' Stella Stella went on urgently. "'He's gone back outside. He probably went right back out when I went to bed. He let himself out alone to bring me flowers, and then he must have got lost in the streets, or...' She took a short, sharp breath. "'No,' "'He's become lost. He can't find his way back. "'And if something happened, like a stroke or heart attack,' she trailed off. "'Thelma said, "'You're imagining the worst, Stella Ryman.' "'Yes,' Stella gave a single nod. "'Her lunch was a hard lump in her stomach. "'Why don't you imagine the best? "'It's as likely to be true, not as exciting, maybe. "'But just how many thrills can our worn-out old hearts tolerate?' Stella thought for a moment as, overhead in the skylight, the rain paused its patter. Just when Stella was ready for the sun to break through, the clouds let go completely and rain hammered down on the glass as if to force its way in and bring the outside world crashing into Fairmount Manor. So you think he's somewhere inside, still roaming around, walking here and there like he always does? Only... "'Not here, not in Corridor Park,' Thelma paused. "'If I were you, I might take that personally.' Well, "'What do you mean?' Stella colored. "'Maybe he's avoiding you,' Thelma said. "'Maybe he's embarrassed.' "'Why should he?' Stella asked. "'He's got no reason to be embarrassed. "'We had a lovely night.' "'Any kissing?' "'Thelma, who certainly not.' Stella snapped. There was a moment of silence. And then the two women spoke the same words together. Not on a first date. (laughs) Their laughter echoed along Corridor Park, peals of it making more noise than you would have thought two frail old ladies could make. They leaned back and roared like schoolgirls. Stella couldn't have stopped if she wanted to. This was a different spat of hilarity than the one she had shared with Theo not so long ago, this shared laughter was different and not to be compared because it came from a place so deep inside her that it predated men, predated even boys. It took her to a place so far inside that it touched the Stella deep down, the girl who curled her hair with bobby pins and neat little snails all around her head. This young Stella's fingernails were pink, and she wore cotton pajamas with ruffles down the front. Her gut ached with laughter like this with her girlfriends, just like this, and she was still worried, and she was still racked with guilt and remorse over Theo's disappearance. But laughing at Thelma's side, Stella mm-hmm. understood exactly what weight had rolled off her soul.